This is the Barbecue Central Show Archives. The Barbecue Central Show airs live each Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and is brought to you by the Barbecue Guru, makers of automatic pit temperature control devices and a host of other products that make your barbecue and grilling life easier. Visit them online at thebbqguru.com or call them 800-288-GURU. And by Big Papa Smokers, creators of fabulous rubs, online retailer of grills, accessories, apparel, and creators of their own barbecue contest. Visit them online at BigPapaSmokers.com. And by Butcher Barbecue, creators of injections and rubs, sweeping the nation, doing well in competitions and in the backyard. You can visit them at ButcherBBQ.com. And by Stephen DeFranco Jewelers, official jeweler of the Barbecue Central Show. Call 440-943-2700. And use key term barbecue brother when you talk to Steve or visit them online at stephendefranco.com. And by Green Mountain Grills, one of the best pellet grills you can get on the market today. Varying sizes, not only for your capacity of cooking, but for your budget as well. Visit greenmountaingrills.com for more information. And by El Diablo Mustard. Looking for a little bit of heat and flavor and regular old yellow mustard? El Diablo has you covered. Six different flavors to choose from currently. And you can find them at eldiablomustard.com and by cookingpellets.com. Have a pellet-driven cooker? Why not try out some of the best pellets on the market and will not void any of your warranties, by the way? Cookingpellets.com is the website. And by CookShack, a premier manufacturer of electric and pellet-driven cookers, giving barbecue classes located in Ponca City, Oklahoma. Always running some kind of a special deal. Check them out at cookshack.com. This is Bobby Rempe from Cleveland, Ohio, and you're listening to Barbecue Central. So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. Good evening and welcome to the Really Big Barbecue Central Show. Oh yeah, this is the uh, show that talks about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling, broadcasting live and direct from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio, rapidly becoming known as the barbecue capital of the North Coast. Ah, forget it, it is the barbecue capital of the North Coast. I'm your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday evening. If you want to jump in on the show tonight, more than happy to have you. Got to re-authenticate my uh, credentials, as it were. Oh, wait. I changed my password to the Twitter. No. Authorize. Why do I got to reauthorize? Is that me now? Yeah. Hey, there I am in the chat room. Hey, good morning, everybody. Good morning, everybody. Uh, if you want to jump in, again, 877 I'm sorry, 216-220-0966. Greg at the BBQ, centralshow.com. Anything else you want to find out about the 
show. The website is the best place to go, greg at the bbqcentralshow.com. And here is what's happening tonight, in case you didn't get the newsletter coming up in about 13 minutes from now. We talk a lot of barbecue on this show. We do a lot of grilling in real life, and we are going to not deviate from the norm, but we're going to make sure we're covering all aspects of grilling, more specifically infrared grilling. Bill and Rachel Best from Tech Grill will be joining us on the show, Tech Grill. Been a big fan of tech for years, decades probably, realistically decades. So we're going to be talking with uh, Bill and Rachel about their particular product. I don't know if anybody out there is familiar with Tech Grill. If you are a fan of grilling, like you're more of a fan of grilling than barbecue like I was back in the day. Yeah, let me tell you something. Tech Grill was all the rage years ago. And then I don't know if it tapered off or not, but uh, they have really stepped back into the limelight and I have been anxiously looking forward to having the folks from Tech Grills on and we'll be doing that here in the next segment of the 9 o'clock hour. Uh, after, well, actually, could go two segments, believe it or not. I don't know if people really understand being able to appreciate how a company starts and diverging so much from, I guess, what you would call the norm when it comes to grilling. The hot air, the convection style, all that stuff. With what you normally would see in a big box store or what have you, uh, this is a little bit different. So uh, we'll get the full the full purview of uh, start to finish and, and where we're at currently with Tech Grill Bill and Rachel Bess coming up in about 11 minutes from now. Then we'll move on to the second hour. Definitely locked and loaded. If you're a fan of Chad Ward's show, you probably heard him there previously uh, to this show. It is Mike Richter of Chicks, Swines, and Bovines. Now, look, in fairness to me, uh, I do not talk with Chad. I mean, look, let's be honest. Chad, no disrespect. You've done one show this quarter, right? Absolutely. Don't bring that work crap around this barnyard, pal. It just, nevertheless, when Chad is doing regular shows as well, we don't sit around and roundtable on who my guest is and who are you going to get this week and who are you going to get that week and so forth. Maybe we should. Because the last time I act Mike Richter on, he was on Chad's show. And this time he was on Chad's show. Mere coincidence. Look, when you're hot, you're hot. If you are a fan of sports and you listen to the sports talk shows like I do, you know, from 6 to 9, it's Mike and Mike because they're the national guys. And then from 9 to 1, I get a local guy who I like a lot. And then for the balance until 3 o'clock, I get Rome and then, you know, all sorts of stuff. Well, especially for the national stuff, if somebody has done something spectacular, like, who knows, rush for a 300 yards in a football game, that guy's going to do a lot of interviews during the course of the day. So maybe you're a fan of uh, Mike and Mike in the morning and you hear that guy on him, for, you know, it's six or seven in the morning and then he turns around and he's on Rome's show later in the afternoon. Well, you know, two different interviewers, two different styles. Two different shows, techniques, niches, so forth. I mean, sure, 
Chad and I are covering the sport and art of live fire cooking. But I might have a different approach to an interview than Chad might. Chad might be looking for a little bit more intricate details on the competition side of things like real intricate details. You know, I'm probably not going to be. I'll be a little more high level than that, uh, more on the history and evolutions and stuff like that. So I think if you heard Mike on Chad's show last show, right, a couple hours ago, depending on when he was, I was prepping. So I didn't listen. I apologize. And I didn't want it to affect my questioning, Mike. Ben, you might want to keep it locked and loaded for the second hour when we have Mike back on. And I will, in turn, interview him. And we'll see if we can't cover all of the bases with Mike. So uh, Chick Swine and Bovine. And then I haven't heard back. Eh. It could be game show time. Or unknowingly to Mike, it could be hold him, for, uh, hold him over for second segment that he didn't bank on time. But maybe, depending on if I hear during the show, and I know he's on his way to the Jack Daniels, maybe Craig Sherry. No guarantees. Could be Craig. Could be extension of Mike. Could be athlete or cheese. Athlete or cheese. I'm working on Mike Mills, by the way, Angela. We will reset that sooner than later, absolutely. Hey, but that was Mike's fault, not mine. Just kidding. Nothing is ever Mike's fault. All right, 216-220-0966. Greg at the BBQ Central Show.com. If you are watching the show, please do me a favor, a solid, as I ask you each and every week. Shoot off an email, make a Facebook post, get on the tweeter and let everybody know that you're watching the show. A couple different websites for you to check out, of course. You can get the Audible stream right here on the main website, thebbqcentralshow.com. If you like video aspects, you can go to outdoorcookingchannel.com, which has been the longtime syndication video partner of this show. I think, I don't even know. Kevin, how long has it been since we've done this now? Years and years, probably half a decade maybe even. Probably in a couple of years. Uh, outdoorcookingchannel.com. Outdoor Cooking Channel can also be found on Internet Protocol Television. For instance, Roku, like I have upstairs. Uh, Roku is great. Runs off your high-speed internet at home. Gives you access to a whole bunch of stuff, including the Outdoor Cooking Channel app. So you go to the Roku app store, download Outdoor Cooking Channel, and boom, there you have it. Uh, All of the shows in archive form that you can find on Outdoor Cooking Channel. But the first selection is the live stream. So whatever's playing live on Kevin's Mix, you can go right to it. Watch it just like regular television. According to Angela Iverson, it's also on XBMC. That's X-Ray Bravo Mike Charlie. I have no idea what that is, but it's on there as well. So thank goodness for that. Don't forget, you can subscribe to iTunes for Audible replays. That's by long and far and huge and wide. The most people consume the show that way. Internet, iTunes replays, whether it be subscribing on iTunes like for Mac or for uh, your desktop computers, uh, or on your iPods, your iPhones, what have you. Of course, you can go to my YouTube page for video replays. That's barbecue for you, the numeral for the letter U. Uh, that would be youtube.com slash barbecue for you. Outdoor Cooking Channel has replays. Of course, um, the main clearinghouse for any type of archive for the show, audible, video, or otherwise, is going to be my website, thebbqcentralshow.com. So there you have it. 
As I say each and every weekend, there's no reason, really, that you should ever miss anything on this show. If you miss Bill and Rachel Best coming up here in the next couple segments, never fear. You'll be able to subscribe through the replays, listen to it all you want, twice, three times, 20 times over. I know the roundtable shows are downloaded thousands and thousands of times per month. I can't even imagine how many downloads now that the original Brisket Roundtable has. Probably over 2 billion. Maybe 2 billion. Maybe not that many, but maybe close. All right, folks, I want to talk to you quickly about Butcher's Barbecue. Always thinking of ways to help you step your barbecue and grilling game up a notch. We had David Bosca on the show last week talking about the newest injection that he has, the open pit pork injection. He was uh, rifling around and messing around with the chicken injection in his pork and then realized there might be another product to test, bring to market. He did the due diligence, and then now you have the open pit pork injection. So you go to butcherbbq.com. You try out all the injections. If you're an injector fan, you'll love it. Pork, the beef, the prime injection, the bird booster, the open pit pork injection now. It's got award-winning flavor enhancers got abilities to keep your pork your pork your brisket and your chickens juicy again butcherbbq.com is a place to go for that butcher's barbecue all the place to go uh, also the place to go to get 50 percent of what i have now termed the west coast offense honey rub and big papa smoke get that honey rub for crying out loud do yourself a favor buy the five pound bag because you're going to go through that shaker and two shakes of a rattlesnake tail, believe it or not. They also have a steak and brisket rub. Again, the honey rub that I just mentioned. Try the premium rub. Look, if you inject with butchers, try the premium rub. It is formulated to work with the injection. A perfect one-two punch to impress judges and friends alike. Last but not least, you got that sweet barbecue sauce. I'm as picky as it comes when it comes to the barbecue sauce. Wins in every category for me. No liquid smoke. Pay attention. No liquid smoke. Like all the rest of those mass-marketed people, forget it. Don't bother with that noise. Come to Dave. Get the sweet barbecue sauce. It can be used just like it is right out of the bottle. I was drinking it out of the bottle the first time I ever had. You can use it as a base. You can cut it with honey. You can cut it with vinegar. Whatever you like. Whatever your palate likes. Great base. I'm all about the base. No trouble. At least, at the very minimum, it's great base. I just like it all by itself. ButcherBBQ.com. That's ButcherBBQ.com. The pork injection, the beef injection, the prime injection, the bird booster, and now the open pit flavor pork injection as well. What is he going to think of next? Also, the trade-in program as well. If you've been taken by another injection that you just don't like from somebody else, you can trade it in, and Dave will give you back his product at your behest. ButcherBBQ.com. That's ButcherBBQ.com. Always trust your butcher. We are back with Bill and Rachel Best from Tech Grill. Stick around. Be right back. Live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. 
Bill and Rachel, welcome to the show. How are you this evening? We're doing great. Fabulous. Uh, Rachel, you're probably wondering, why couldn't I hear you for the last 30 seconds? That's because I didn't have my mic on, and I'm, you know, first time hosting my show this week. Oh, my Lord, I apologize for that. Uh, so I was just uh, telling everybody as my mouth was moving that, you know, this show, you know, might focus a little more on the barbecue side, the low and slow stuff from a weekend, weekend out basis. However, you know, if you know barbecuers, you know they're grilling a substantial amount as well. And I wanted to make sure that we're covering the grilling side of things. And, uh, you know, I've been a huge fan of Tech Grills literally for 10 or 11 years. I remember when Tech Grill didn't look like it did now. It had a a different uh, look to it internally, at least. Uh, So I figure maybe it might be best to start all the way back in the beginning. Um, You know, A, I guess, are you and Bill the the originators of of Tech Grill? Uh, If not, how did you get into it? And, And we'll kind of build from there, I guess. Well, we invented, actually, Tech invented infrared grilling, or Bill did. He founded the company in the 60s, and he invented the first gas-powered infrared burner. Uh, it wasn't until the late 70s that he took one of the burners that he was using for industrial paint systems and put it in a grill for his own use and discovered that infrared cooks without drying out food. So we, we, the first infrared grill that was um, sold in the world came from Tech, and it was the 1980 Patio One. And, and what year was that again? 1980. 1980. Uh, wow. 1980. And, you know, the, um, the ceram- we, we used a ceramic burner in our first grills because the, the burner that built developed in the 60s was a ceramic burner and it was a great it was a really great system for the time people probably a lot of people don't realize but a traditional gas grill cooks with 100 percent hot air and that's like throwing your food in a dryer you, you use hot air to dry your dry your food or your hair and the first infrared grills cooked with 35 percent infrared energy and 65% hot air. So it was a huge improvement over traditional gas grills. But our new technology, which is a high-temperature glass uh, panel over over a burner, um, it it cooks with virtually 100% hot air. So we've totally eliminated the hot... Excuse me. It cooks with virtually 100% infrared energy. So we've totally... Eliminate the hot air associated with grilling. And you get about from 30 to 35% more moisture in your food. It's a, it's a really amazing system because there are a lot of benefits to it. And we can talk about that later. But I, I, one of the things that your um, audience may be interested in is, you know, a lot of people like to cook with wood and charcoal. Yeah. And it gives great flavor to the food. But wood and charcoal also emit infrared energy, about 25% infrared energy for heat. So you get you, that's one of the reasons the food is better. Uh, Rachel Best joining me here on the show. Uh, Rachel, by the way, you're uh, Tech Grills president, correct? That's right. All right. Um, so 
I'm going to depart all the way back to the 60s, and I apologize. Where does the thought, and you said it was an industrial application, and I remember hearing years and years ago that originally the ceramic burner, uh, the infrared ceramic burner was used in the uh, industrial paint or helping it to dry or to, to cake on or whatever it was doing. Um, so where does Bill's uh, transition from saying, hey, this is great in an industrial setting, and looking at, I'm guessing he was probably a, you know, a fairly active uh, outdoor uh, barbecue or grill guy and said, hey, you know, this thing I'm using at work would probably work really good in this grill and let me start messing around with it. I mean, when did he, uh, when did, when did that kind of epiphany pop in his head? So you want to answer that? How did, how did you decide to do that? Oh, actually it was, uh, uh, it was just another method of, of applying the energy of infrared energy. Uh, and, and, and I, I was just going to make a grill for my own personal use. And, and that's the way we learned that they cook so well. Uh, the primary, uh, invention was primarily used in, in the development uh, of, uh, painting cars without hot air moving, which would eliminate a lot of dirt. And, and one of the major uses of it in the original, of the original invention was in, in the development of radial tires. Uh, we developed, we didn't, we didn't invent the radial tire, but we developed a method by which radial tires could be made in mass quantities using high intensity infrared. And then I guess to some extent, like a lot of research is, it's just pure luck. Uh, I just happened to apply that burner to my own personal grill and later learned it, it cook well and, and decided that would be a fairly good product based upon my own experience. Now, look, I mean, you obviously you're, uh, you're an entrepreneurial guy. You're successful in the industrial side of things. So once you get this, uh, let's call it the prototype grill together, you're happy with the product and you're like, hey, you know, this is something I might think about bringing to market. Uh, who do you approach? Uh, how do you go about trying to tell people about your concept of grilling now? And how outside of the box this is compared to a Weber kettle or, you know, gas grills at that point were probably coming into vogue as well. Uh, and these are more common mainstreams where yours is kind of a little bit of a departure, which is, you know, in any type of business going to be a, a bit of a hurdle to overcome. And I'm interested because I'm a business guy, how you were able to, to pitch that into market and overcome those initial uh, hurdles potentially. Well, you know, I'm, I'm primarily a, a scientist. I, I was teaching uh, heat transfer and thermodynamics at the University of South Carolina when I invented the first infrared uh, burner, and that was a byproduct, really, of developing a rocket engine, a small rocket engine, not the large engine that put put put, it, put things in orbit, but just a goddess rocket. And from that, the burner was developed. So my, my, I've been primarily interested in the development of the product rather than the marketing of the product. We we brought people in that helped us with that. And uh, and I guess we're still struggling to, to to introduce infrared to the market, but uh, it's becoming more and more well-known, and, and it, it, is, it certainly has grown a lot. And we've licensed other people now uh, for, for the technology in, in many of the applications, not just for cooking. And but but I've had no I haven't had much to do with the marketing of the product. I've I've concentrated on the development of the product. Rachel does more of the marketing now, 
But, you know, it's interesting that you said that because one of the great challenges has been to introduce people to infrared. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, the first infrared grill was developed in 1980, <laughs> and all of a sudden, infrared is a, the hot topic. It's, you know, every, you, you read articles about this is infrared and that's infrared, and, and people people don't really understand what infrared is necessarily, but they automatically think that it's something good or it's positive, and it, but it's taking years for the public to understand that infrared, when it comes to grilling, you know, it, it cooks a better steak. It cooks a be- it, the chicken breasts are better. Everything's better. You know, I believe uh, you started out by saying that your interest in your show is more devoted to barbecuing. When you think about that, the old-fashioned method of barbecuing employed infrared energy. My father ran a sawmill, and every month he barbecued four or five pigs, uh, mostly for the entire town, uh, which was not many people. But but the way he barbecued pigs at that time, he built a fire uh, not under the under the barbecue pit, but he built a fire outside or removed from the pit, and he only put the hot coals under the pigs. Well, those coals were, were generating infrared energy. And in the old days, we used to cook barbecue right out in the open. It was not enclosed in the in a chamber like the, most of the barbecue is done today. It was all in an open pit. Well, you can't transfer energy by by convection very well in an open open surrounding. And but the infrared radiation was what cooked the pigs. Now, it, it, in those days, they they when my father was doing this, mostly marinating the pigs with uh, a vinegar and red pepper and mopping them down. He'd always buy a new mop, a house mop, and a new trash can and mix the vinegar and the red pepper and then mop the pigs down about every 15 or 20 minutes during the cooking process. But but when you when you consider the method they were being cooked by, it was infrared radiation because you can't, him up at hot air too much in in, in an open pit, and uh, so we've been using infrared radiation quite a while. It's just really without defining it as as infrared radiation, which is we all know is the energy that comes from the sun, and it's uh, it, it, it's it's a great method. Of, it's a lot of technical reasons why it's superior that I can't bore the audience with tonight, <laughs> but it's it has to do with the vapor. With a with a heat transfer barrier around around every object, which, which is a thermal barrier, and and infrared energy can penetrate that barrier without disturbing it, and and hot air has to disturb the barrier. Uh, it's called it's called a heat transfer co- film coefficient, and uh, an infrared can penetrate that where hot air has to displace that. And an infrared does not have a capacity to absorb water. It can eat the water, but it can't absorb it. Where air, hot air is a vehicle to carry water. And that's where the non-drying feature of infrared uh, comes from. And uh, But it's, it's, it's really uh, someone, when I was an expert witness one time, and, and the opposing attorney was trying to make me look foolish, 
and he asked a question, and he said, says, I, 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 it's my understanding you invented infrared energy. And my, my answer was, no, God invented infrared energy. So it's been around ever since we've had the sunshine. But you're the guy that's taken it from how people have either known about it or not known about it and then put it in a in a vehicle that people want to use every day or every weekend. And, of course, we're talking about a grill. So when you're seeing or when you were using, you know, other grills and did you notice, say, hey, I notice meat is, is drying out or that it, there's got to be a better way to, to make a more juicy product instead of just using the traditional convection heat and then you're like, yeah, this is going to be a, a great place for this infrared uh, uh, burner or, or however you were calling it at that point uh, back in the late 70s, early 80s, you're bringing it into the market. Uh, is that something that you were looking at and trying to solve a problem or it was just something that you were into and it just seamlessly flowed like that? You know, to be honest with you, I was not looking at that at the time. Uh, I, I guess I understood the theory of that, but the... the the, the, the way we got into the grill business was uh, we had a meeting one day to, to, to determine what kind of products we apply this infrared technology to, and it turned out that we, we really went into the grill business to use up scrap metal from the oven business. It, it was not a not a very much of a scientific uh, uh, plan uh, introduction of the product. It was. Like like with so many inventions, it, it has a lot to do with love. But uh, once we got into the went into the business and started studying in more detail, in fact, I think in the last ten years or so, I wrote a paper uh, based upon our research and how much more moisture food contained when it was cooked with infrared. But in the beginning, I wouldn't wouldn't say that that was all anticipated. That's the thing about research, Greg, is that, you know, when you, a lot, it, it leads you in different directions. Um, Bill has over 100 patents and patents pending in infrared energy. Uh, he's been doing this for over 50 years. And so he says he's developed a lot of negative knowledge. He knows what roads not to go down because he's made so many mistakes. And every once in a while, you, you hit on something. And and the grill, the infrared grill was one of those hits. Uh, Rachel, Bill said that you were uh, you were in charge or, or that you handle most of the the marketing for the company. I mean, how do you find it if somebody's trying to bring? I, I guess it, well, and as you stated, I mean, it's been around since the eighties. So I mean, thirty four years isn't necessarily a new concept. But you know, over the last, I want to say there was a market increase in the in the hot button term infrared maybe four or five years ago, and now you're seeing. The big manufacturers like a Charboil, for instance, comes to mind where they're true infrared grills and infrared this, and you see the ceramic burners at a lot of grills. And I don't know if people understand, and of course you're the expert, so you're going to have to educate me here. Are there different levels of the quality of infrared? Is one saying that they're infrared and they're not really infrared? Uh, because I think it's important for the people that listen to the show and the fans of the show who are ultimately going to be consumers that they're not falling for something that might be a build as one thing and it's completely the other. Yeah, there is a difference in the quality of infrared energy. For cooking purposes, you need to you need to emit the energy at relatively long wavelengths as opposed to short wavelengths, and that's uh, uh, 
that's the, the that that would be difficult to get into in uh, in a discussion like we are having. But uh, as you probably are aware, in the beginning, uh, we licensed uh, Charbroil uh, for our technology, and then later on, Charbroil actually bought patents from us uh, that they use uh, for the for the grills they're producing. And I and I suppose now. I'm not mistaken. Charbroil is the largest producer of, uh, of of certainly infrared gas grills, or even just grills in the country. And they've done an awful lot, in my opinion, to introduce the concept because they are the division of W.C. Bradley Company, which is a very large corporation, and uh, they've had the ability to spend more money on advertising and promotion of the of the concept than we've ever been able to do. But but it for whatever reason it is it's widely recognized now, and almost everybody's trying to call uh, something that they do infrared. But it, it's not always uh, efficient infrared energy, uh, and and a lot of people talk about having an infrared searing zone. Yeah. Well, the the benefit of an all infrared. Uh, grill is that you can sear on it, and in the case of our new burners, you can slow cook. As an example, you can you can slow cook a Boston butt, a barbecue of Boston butt, where the meat is cool like it would be a long cooked pork uh, barbecue. You can cook it uh, on low fire for uh, I cook them sometimes for twelve hours. So we can kind of go from cooking them. Uh, uh, sharing a steak, eight or nine minutes <laughs> to cooking a Boston butt for twelve hours, which is a it's a big spread in, uh, yeah. in the way you distribute the heat. Now, now that ability has only occurred in the latest invention we've had, where we use the glass as the emitter. Uh, the the original ceramic burner had limited turn down ability, and <clears throat> And it couldn't operate much under about 700 degrees. It operated from about 700 degrees Fahrenheit to about 1,600 degrees Fahrenheit. And the advantage of the concept that we now employ is that the turn down is much better uh, because we use an intervening heat transfer medium, which is high-temperature glass, and, uh, and, we, and we can literally, as I just stated slow cooking that creates uh, the long-term barbecuing effect. In English, what that means, I mean, in, in regular words, what that means is we use a high-temperature glass, like the glass that you see on a cooktop stove, yeah. and we put a burner underneath it, and we heat the glass, and we put a, a, a cooking grate right on top of the glass. And the glass radiates infrared energy. But another thing it does is that it prevents any hot air from rising. So it, it blocks hot air. And so you don't have any hot air at the cooking surface. And so that not only that not, not only eliminates the hot air that's associated with drying out the food, you don't have the flare-up that you have with the old infrared or any other grill because there's no hot air at the cooking surface. Bill's original technology, the ceramic infrared burners that other companies are using, uh, there's a space between the burner and the, and the cooking grate, several inches. So you have hot air and so you have flare-up. 
so it, it's a huge benefit. The new system really produces incredible food. And another thing that's great about it is you it, it keeps the inside of your grill clean. You don't have any food drippings dropping on your burners. So because there's a glass panel there, those those, those glass panels are um, have been developed for they're they're right up to 1,200 degrees. So um, and and our burners get them up to about 1,100 degrees. But you can really you can sear like you wouldn't believe. But you can also turn down. And smoke, you can so you can smoke a turkey at 250 degrees, or sear a steak at 900 degrees, and you didn't have that, you didn't have that flexibility with Bill's old old technology. The ceramic burner had such a limited turn down, and that's one of the reasons why people think when they hear infrared, a lot of people think that it's all about searing, and that's because Bill's original technology only ran hot. Yeah, but the new the new technology has a great turn down. Uh, Bill and Rachel Best joining me here on the show. Uh, can I uh, hold you guys off for a couple minutes, and we'll come back and do uh, another shorter segment? Sure. All right. Uh, we'll get back into I want to start with the, uh, the, the old version that I remember, and, and we'll talk a little bit more about the newer stuff, of course, price points and dealers and all that stuff as well. So stand by for that. We're talking again with Bill and Rachel Best from Tech Grills. The website is Tech infrared.com if you want to check it out while we're uh, talking or through the break here. Um, before we get back to that, let me talk to you about the Barbecue Guru, the uh, makers of automatic pit temperature control devices. Uh, they are the creators of this technology. Why would you buy an automatic pit temperature control device from anybody else? I don't know. Uh, if you're not familiar with how these little beauties work, I'm not going to get into the minute details, but imagine a product that allows you to set your pit temperature, and once set, keeps it running at that set temperature all the way through the cook. Sound too good to be true? It's not. This is real life. You can take advantage of this technology today. Now, maybe you're a busy working professional like me, or uh, perhaps you're constantly on the run with kids, doing errands, domestic engineer, quite frankly. You just don't have the time to set around 10 pit temperatures. The Barbecue Guru allows you to throw on a pork butt or a brisket or a slab of ribs, and then you're off to do whatever it is you need to get done, and the Barbecue Guru maintains that pit temperature you set it at. There are currently four different models to choose from. Two most popular, of course, across competition trails and in the backyards. It's that CyberQ Wi-Fi unit. If you have a smart device, if you have a Wi-Fi connection, you are literally able to stay in bed overnight. Pick out your smart device, turn it on, and see, oh, my pork butt's at this internal temperature, or my cooker is at this temperature, and you can make adjustments right there from your phone or your computer or your tablet, whatever you need. Also, there's the other end of the spectrum, the Party Q at $149, easiest point of entry for pit temperature control devices, runs on AAA batteries. It is a self-contained unit that goes from cooker to cooker. When we're talking about cookers, we're, of course, talking about the Onyx Oven. That has been winning in the competition circuits as well as in the backyards for years now. It's fully insulated, holds a lot of meat, accommodates half and full pans for food service, and works seamlessly with any of the Barbecue Guru pit temperature control devices. So here's what you do. You head on over to thebbqguru.com. You check out all their products. And if you have any questions, don't hesitate to call them directly, 800-288-GURU. That's 800-288-GURU. They'll make sure you're outfitted with exactly what you need to get you up and running right out of the box. Again, the number 800-288-GURU or the website thebbqguru.com. The Barbecue Guru is a breakthrough in barbecue technology. All right, we're back with Bill and Rachel Bass, the Tech Grills. Right after this, stick around. Be right back. 
minutes past the top of the hour, 20 minutes till the top, 216-220-0966, greg at thebbqcentralshow.com, your contact information should you see fit to jump in on the show tonight, and uh, we'll return back to our conversation with Bill and Rachel Best of Tech Grills, again the website techinfrared.com. Uh, guys, before we uh, headed off to the break, um, and as I said in the top of the show, I think about 10, 11 years ago was the first time I saw a Tech Grill that was in a... Uh, what I guess would call a mom and pop a grill store, a fireplace store, I guess, and they uh, carried a line of grills that you would normally see in a lot of different places. Tech was one of them, and they had these ceramic burners, as you were talking about. They got very hot. I was told right off the bat when I was looking at them, these things are really hot, and you got to learn to cook your food a little bit differently. Um, but the thing that I really, uh, or I guess the thing that really captured my attention on those models, and I don't know if it's the same anymore because of the glass that's been instituted since, but that you could take out one side, you could take off one uh, part of the cooking grate, and you could drop in a steamer or a, a deep fryer or these uh, value-added pieces uh, that I thought was a great idea. So I guess uh, when we look back on those or, or on that generation of Tech Grill, um, what did people like about it? Uh, did Was there a lot of interest in those uh, value-added pieces? And uh, it, it seems uh, that perhaps maybe it wasn't because uh, we, you've gotten away from it on the newer model. You know, it's interesting that you you talk about accessories because uh, people are sort of, I think, a little bit more into accessories than they were uh, when the first grills came out. But it, but we have people call the plant call our plant in Columbia, South Carolina, and they have the very early grills. And it's you know we had a man two years ago. And he was from California, and he was calling to find a cooking grate for his 1980 <laughs> Patio One. We still provide replacement parts for every grill that we've ever made and because our grills last a lifetime, and people hang on to them a lifetime. And when I, when I heard about the call in customer service, and they had his contact information, I called the the man, he was in his 80s, and he said that he had promised his son that he would leave him his tech grill in his will. Wow. So we have a lot of very faithful followers. People people love tech grills, and we, you know, we build every piece of equipment to last forever. But they're mainly, it's mainly for grilling. People like to grill on those grates. And I'm sure they like to fry seafood so they don't have to... Um, you know, they don't have to do that inside and cause problems inside with the smell. But the main reason people grill on a tech grill is because the food tastes better than it does when you cook inside. Uh, Bill, Rachel, let me ask you, when you when did you decide to go away from the version of the grill that I first saw and institute that a glass cooktop to, to be the in-between on the heating elements? And I guess if you take the glass off... Is it still the ceramic heating uh, bricks that you would see on the old version with just the glass over the top, or did those also change over time? 
No, that has changed over time. We've we've got two versions of the of the glass uh, being used. One is we use a we, we use an infrared burner under the glass, but now that glass, that infrared burner is made out of uh, metal, uh, and we don't use ceramic anymore. We've developed a method where we can use layers of Inconel screen that uh, replaces the ceramic and. It's not susceptible to damage from water like ceramic was, and uh, the the, uh, the benefit of the glass has resulted from our studies about moisture content. Uh, I published a paper on the benefits of the moisture content, and the, and the study was based upon using hamburger meat and ground to exact consistency. And the reason we use hamburger, it's the only way you can get the same identical product time after time in your test. And what we did was we we took and, and studied the the cooking of a hamburger with convection, with hot air, and we studied cooking it with infrared, pure infrared. And that's when we got involved with using an emitter surface to block the hot gases coming up and force all of the hot gases, all the exhaust gases from the combustion process around the food as opposed to coming into the food. And that all came up, the glass came all about from trying to eliminate the hot gases coming in contact with the food. And that that emitter plate can also be made out of metal, uh, but the glass has been more efficient because the glass that we use transmits about 25% of the infrared radiation and it generates the other 75% from its own temperature and what's known as emissivity, which is a, is a description of how well something radiates. With the maximum emissivity being 1, the glass has, a, has, a, has an emissivity of 0.92. In other words, it, it can emit 92% of the energy based upon its temperature uh, versus, say, a stainless steel might be as low as 20%. And so now you know why I'm here to to translate the engineering language. Uh, it's, it's, if you think about it scientifically, it, if you try to explain it scientifically, it's pretty complicated. But one of the things I like that Bill says is that people don't know how a refrigerator keeps things cool. They just know it keeps things cool. And it's and some of the things that that are involved with grilling with infrared energy are scientific if you explain it or you try to explain it. But most people just want the end result, and then the result is better tasting food. And it's uh, it's you know the food is more moist. And uh, and the great thing about the new technology is you've got the lower turn down. You don't have the flare ups. You know you have a you have a much better distribution of heat. You can use the entire cooking area. Every square inch is heated the same. And one of the reasons for that is is that the stainless steel bar underneath the glass can distribute the heat evenly and because we've designed, got designed it to do that. But when you had the ceramic burner, you didn't have the controls. You, didn't, you, weren't, you weren't able to direct the heat. So... We've really improved it, and when you said what um, inspired him to, um, to to look for some some other means, 
it's just improving. Most people in research look to improve what they've done. And he said, I think I can make this better, and he did. Bill and Rachel Bess from Tech Reels joining us here on the show. TechInfrared.com. That's T-E-C, Infrared.com. Uh, let me ask you, if, if you buy a tech grill and let's say, you know, you're like me, a above average guy that likes to get out and do some live fire cooking five nights out of the week, regardless of environment. I'm up here in Cleveland, so you know it's a winter seven months out of the year and I can't get rid of it. If I'm using it five times a week or so, uh, are there parts in there that are going to wear out over the next five or six years uh, that I would need to be concerned about? Uh, or is this really set up for some, some heavy-duty use and there isn't really a lot of uh, repair stuff that I need to worry about or replacement stuff that I would need to worry about? Greg, I don't think so. Uh, as you probably know, uh, we also make commercial grills, and the commercial grills, uh, in the average, the restaurant is used from 8 to 12 hours every day, day after day, and we've got a lot of commercial grills that has been in operation twin of. 12 or 14 years, and so a residential grill, I don't think there's any parts that need to, that will need to be replaced in the first four or five years. Uh, in fact, the only thing we found out is that the glass panel has probably will have to be replaced within three or four years, but it, it protects everything else. The burner is what's expensive. And the burners are stainless steel burner beneath the, the glass. And the glass um, protects the burner. So, you know, 304 stainless is one of the most corrosive resistant stainlesses available today. Yep. It does, there's, no, there's no stainless that's not going to corrode. And people don't realize, but fatty acids and marinades eat away at stainless. So typically you're going to have, regardless of who, you know where you buy your grill. It can, regardless of who the manufacturer is, you're going to have to replace stainless, stainless steel cooking grates probably in ten or twelve years, depend, ten or twelve years, depending on how you know how much you use your grill. But one of the beautiful things about the, our new technology is that high temperature glass is a shield that protects everything in the interior of your grill. So your burner is not going to be exposed to all those fatty acids and the marinade. So it actually prolongs the life of your grill. And, you know, we also, other manufacturers sell three or four stainless grills, but you have to make sure when you buy a grill that you're getting what you pay for. And if if a grill is not three or four stainless, it, it's going to degrade very rapidly. But one of the reasons we're still able to service grills that were built in the 80s is because we built them with the finest quality materials. You know, we build grills to last a lifetime. And we might not... The only return customers we have are the people who pass their old grill down to their children or take it to their beach house and decide to buy another grill. And so we're in this for the long haul. We um, we consider it a tech family. All right, last question before I let you go tonight, guys, and I appreciate the extensive amount of time that you've given the show. Um, 
price points. Obviously, there's different models uh, to choose from, and there's a dealer network uh, that you can go through to purchase these grills, and you can visit the website, techinfrared.com, to find where a dealer is near you. But, you know, just in ballparks uh, for models, uh, how much food they might be able to accommodate, and then, of course, uh, the, the price points as they are right now. We have a portable grill, and it weighs about 27 pounds. It's called the Cherokee. Uh, it, it's one burner of our full-size grills, and it will cook eight hamburgers or eight steaks in eight, in eight minutes. You can, you, you, and they're, and they're medium, they're about medium. Mm -hmm. So you don't need a very large grill when you buy a tech grill. So we encourage people to think about that when they buy a grill because the distribution of heat is so, is, is so perfect. The most, um, I know, but the, so, so that, so that grill sells for, um, $849. And we our our smallest um, full size grill is our G Sport, and it's about if eight is eight um, eight thousand excuse me eighteen hundred ninety nine dollars, and and it's um, most of our grills are above two thousand dollars. Most are above two thousand, you said. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, actually, Greg, we have grills that go up with all the cabinets and the drawers and the doors and <laughs> things, I guess, for $10,000. But uh, we we believe the the, the the price point where uh, where a lot of the market is is probably under $3,500. And it's just... It, I don't think the mass market is in the is in these ten thousand dollar grills. But I'm not a marketing person. You can tell Rachel is more of a marketing person than I am. In fact, when she introduces me to make it, they recognize who I am. <laughs> I have to look around and see who's speaking. No, but, but what you have to understand about our grills, and I know this sounds like marketing, but it's not. We build grills in America. We don't build them. In China or Japan or Korea, and we don't import our parts from those countries either. And we build out of the best materials. We, we use drill for stainless. We use ink canal. We don't skimp. And the reason we do that is because the founder of our company, Bill Best, will not allow us to build it out of inferior materials. When I came into the company about 10 years ago, I had a, I had a, a, a company that was selling this stainless tell me that we could use the 200 series stainless and that it was just as good as the 304. And Bill said, no, it's not. It's not going to hold up. And he went to a metallurgist for advice, and it wouldn't hold up. The reason we're still able to re- provide replacement parts for grills that were made in the 1980s is because of what, the reason we build them. We build them to last a lifetime. When you buy a tech grill, you might spend $1,800 on it, but you will never buy another grill. The average grill 
in this country the last three years, we are, we are still providing replacement parts for grills that are over 30 years old. You know, you, buy, you get what you pay for. We're, as I say, we're in it for a lifetime. Uh, you pay more for our, but by the way, you pay more for our grills, but you don't pay any more than you do like if you if you bought them from one of my competitors. Uh, Bill and Rachel Best joining me here on the show. You know, I think uh, b- before I let you go, uh, that it is important, and I'm getting some feedback here from the instant chat room. You know, a lot of people, a lot of companies in the United States talk very loud about American made this. American-made parts, American manufacturers, but really, in the end, uh, they are importing parts uh, from outside the states, or it's coming from a different country, what have you. Uh, so to be able to to make that bold of a statement and to stand by it and to have been in business now for you know, 30, 40 years uh, just on the grill side and having grills from the 80s that you're replacing, uh, uh, offering replacement parts to still to this day is certainly a testament to itself beyond reproach. Uh, and certainly... You know, $2,000 or $2,500 or $3,000 for a grill is a lot more than most people go to see in any big box store that they're going into. Uh, I would imagine that if you went into Lowe's or Home Depot and you saw a bunch of tech grills sitting out there, the sticker shock wouldn't be nearly as incredible as it is as you're listening to the show right now when you hear somebody say that the grill's 2000 bucks or 2500 bucks or what have you. Uh, but I, I truly believe that what you say, and this is one of my favorite sayings, you buy the best, you only cry once. And this would apply to uh, a tech grill as well. And I, I really just appreciate the time and uh, all of the candor and insight to infrared grilling and, and the story behind tech grills tonight. And wish you guys nothing but continued success. Well, thank you. Thank you for allowing us to be on your show. You got it. We'll talk again soon. I appreciate it. There they are. Bill and Rachel Best Tech Grill. Yeah, I mean, look, it's uh, it's a it's a bit of chunk of change, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you right now, everybody in the chat room would take one if I was giving them out like hotcakes. Though I bet, right? Absolutely. Uh, techinfrared.com techinfrared I-N-F-R-A-R-E-D of course the question of the day are you getting one? Oh, I can only hope doubt it alright folks let me talk to you quickly about Cookshack long time sponsor of the show uh, do you need a new cooker pellet cooker yeah, they got them. They got the Fast Eddie by Cookshack pellet cookers, the FE100, the 120s. Of course, you got the PG1000 and 5000s. A little different in the make there, but Fast Eddie approved, made, and so forth nonetheless. And then, of course, what's nice about Cookshack is you have the electric side of the fence as well. Did I say electric fence? No! Not really the electric fence. Uh, Here, you have such smokers as the Smokette, the Smokette Elite, the Super Smoker Elite, and the AmeriCube. These are all of the electric smokers that make it easy to add real wood smoke to your foods. They're inexpensive to operate. They're energy efficient. If you love smoking jerky, you'll be able to do that with ease. 
Stainless steel jerky rods are easy to use. You can hang jerky strips on the rods that fit the smoker's side racks. You can prepare smoked cheese, lock-style salmon, steaks to finish on the grill, and more when you use that stainless steel cold smoke baffle in those electric units. It turns the smoker into a cold smoking machine. Here's the deal. Go to CookShack.com. CookShack.com. Or if you'd like to talk to a human being, you can do that as well. They still do that at CookShack. 800-423-0698. That's 800-423-0698. Maybe they have some special offer. Tell them you listen to the show. Maybe they'll hook you up with a discount. Who knows? For instructional videos on how to operate all of their units to include jerky rods, cold smoke baffles, check out the YouTube page, Cook Shack YouTube channel, or you can uh, visit the Cook. This is Chris Payne. What? From Euclid, Ohio. Oh, no, no, no. You damn. Oh. I mean, I am outraged. Anyway, we'll just have to do it like this. Am I through the first hour already? Jeez, I ran late. You visit cookshack.com. That's cookshack.com, 800-423-0698, cookshack.com. All right. I'm going to have to play catch up here, so stand by. This is Chris Payne from Utah, yes. Ohio. And you are listening to Big Name Interviews. No more interviews. All right, we're going to uh, play the wrap-up music. That means we're going to go directly into the second hour. I'll have thoughts on the uh, previous two-segment interviews. Uh, more from you. If you're willing to jump in, you're listening and watching the Barbecue Central show right here on the Barbecue Central Networks. From my heart and from my hand, why don't people understand my intention? Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Fine, how's it going? <laughs> you have a great show, I'm a big fan. So what 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 seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead and he's in the in the crackle. Charbono! It's all about the Charbono, dude! Succulent fish, what? He ate 54 wieners. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seeds. <laughs> we have top men working right now. Top men. All right, just like that, we are into the second out. Hey, yo! Uh, you have found the Barbecue Central show. The show that talks about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling. We broadcast live and direct from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio. It is the barbecue capital of the North Coast. I am your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday. If you missed the first hour, shame on you. Where have you been? I'm outraged. Good for you. You can catch... Good news for you, I guess. Not good for you. Bad for you. The good news is you can catch the archives of the show if you want. Subscribe to the audio version on iTunes. Go to the barbecue YouTube page right here. Outdoor Cooking Channel. My main website, thebbqcentralshow.com. Uh, visit all the sponsors that are uh, listed uh, right down here as well. People always ask, what can I do to help support the show? Support the sponsors. Visit a Stephen DeFranco. Visit a Cook Shack. 
Visit a Dave Bosque. Visit a Big Papa Smokers. Visit a guru. People like that. Visit them. They'll help you out, and you're going to help me out by helping you out, helping me out you out. What? Uh, if you want to jump in, 216-220-0966, greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. That is the way to get in touch with me should you see fit tonight. Lots to react to on my last two segment guests, Bill and Rachel Best from Tech Grills. Again, the website, techinfraredgrill.com. So I'm not, I wasn't being a kiss ass, by the way. So just get off that high horse. Get that big stuff out of here. Everybody's version or reality of money is different. Certainly. Some people make incredible bank. Some people don't. But really, what does that mean? Like, if you don't have a house payment and your car is paid for and you don't have any kids and you make $55,000 a year, maybe you're not married, maybe you are, and you just don't have all the other, you know, you have no debt, blah, blah, blah. Pretty good living. Fifty-five grand with like zero anything going out. That's a lot of money. Other people make a lot of money, an F-ton of money. But they got multiple cars and multiple homes. They got a boat. They got ski-doos. They got four kids and one's in college. So all that money needs to be coming in because it is going right back out. So everybody's idea of what's a lot of money is uh, skewed for sure. But let's be honest. On the surface, for me to sit here and ask anybody to say, you go spend $1,800 on a grill, you know, people are going to be, you know, a little pooping themselves a little bit. For a grill, that seems like a tremendous amount of money. And then it builds from there, $2,500, $3,500. As Bill said, you know, with all the cabinets, the built-ins and so forth, he's seen $10,000 without blinking an eyelash. That's a lot of accessory stuff. I'm just talking about straight-up grills. It's probably going to be in the $2,500 range, which is going to be, you know, comparable maybe into, what, to the Summit series or, or maybe the Genesis series size. We're not talking about quality of build or manufacture or anything like that. Now, you can certainly make an argument that the uh, eight or $900 uh, Weber uh, Genesis um, or I don't know if the Summit is, is, in, that, is in that range... Uh, that might be a step up. That might be in the thousands of dollar range. The Summit Series. Maybe the entry-level Summit might be sniffing $1,000. But then there's the big Summit Series that go well into the $1,000. When you say, you know, seven, eight, nine hundred dollars $900 on a Weber kettle, or Weber kettle, on a Weber gas grill, that is, believe it or not, folks, eight or $900 to most people, unthinkable. Unthinkable. Why would I spend that much money on a gas grill? I can buy one at Target for $99. Uh You can. The thermos model. The one that's got a cooler underneath it or whatever the hell that is. The dual cool. The two-zone fun zone. Yes, you can spend $100 on a grill. Yes, you can spend $800 on a grill. Yes, you can spend $1,800 on a grill. And Patrick, I don't know if I necessarily agree calling it stripped down. It's probably just not very big. But, you know, eight. For me, you know, I can get away with 
8 to 10 hamburger capacity or steak capacity. So I'm usually not grilling for a mass amount of people. Barbecue for a lot of people. So I buy, you know, what's the one thing that I've always said when you're taking into account what you should buy? Especially on the barbecue side. Figure out who you're going to cook for 90% of the time. Which is going to be your immediate family, right? So for me, it's wife, three, three daughters, my own self. So five people, 90% of the time it's going to be. Now we are maybe a little bit more social than most people. So we like to have some folks over. So then you got to gauge in the 10%. Maybe you're going to have four. Maybe you like to throw parties in the summer, but you don't like to in the winter. But there's going to be a definitive period of time that you're cooking that you need extra space. So you, you need to buy that, right? I mean, you got to buy the bigger space because you're going to use it. Even if it's only four times or five times a year, uh, unless somehow you're going to magically come into just extra cookers that you're not familiar with. And everybody knows in your neighborhood, you all know the other guys that cook. And I'm not borrowing anything from my neighbors because one guy on one side, I don't even, I've never seen him before and I lived here for almost a year. And the other guy's got a, you know, a crappy $20 kettle grill he cooks on. He cooks on it all the time. You know Desmond. You remember Desmond? Neighbor Desmond? Yeah. Crappy grill. He needs to step up. He lives around me too long now to not step up. So you, you need to account for that uh, 10% of cooking for the people that you don't normally cook for. So I always recommend people to buy up. So I did find it a little askew or a miss that Rachel said, don't overbuy. You know, that's never the recommendation that I get. I always say, figure out what you want, then buy up one level. Because you're going to, at the end, at some point, six months down the road or two years down the road, you're going to be like, damn, I'm out of space, man. I should have bought that next level up. I would have been tight. And now look what you got. You have buyer's remorse, regret, and the other thing. Who needs it? Hold on a second. Who was this? All right. Um, so, if you're looking, uh, it is a little bit more personal to me at this moment because I'm probably in the market for a new grill. I'm probably in the market. Oh, yeah. My Weber Genesis, 12 years old now, 13 years old now, gone through a number of gut changes. It's probably just time for a new one. So do I want to go spend $1,800 or $2,000? Hell no. You know I don't want to. But when you think of it, if I spend $2,000 tomorrow, And I won't have to buy another grill ever. How does that extrapolate out? You know, I'm a sales guy, so I can always convince myself by breaking it down to the most ridiculous, minute red cent. If I spend 2000 it's really like, can I afford eight cents over the next 40 years of my life? Yes, I can scrounge up eight cents somewhere. I will walk bridges I will stand by the toll booths just in hopes of somebody dropping an extra dime so I can pay for that Tegro. That's right. 
So anyway, that's my mania. That's my take on highly expensive stuff. Now, let's just compare expensive grills. Let's call it uh, let's call it expensive grill number one the tech grill, and expensive grill number two, who we talked to many months ago, the guy from Kalamazoo Grill, who I believe started at like ten grand. The grill started at ten grand. Dual fire, dual fire, gas grill, live fire, either or the other. That that stuff started, I think, at ten grand. That's expensive. Go up from there. Yeah, that's right. Patrick Paquette, MH uh, MHP grills, expensive as well. They're expensive. Buy the best and only cry once. I heard it before. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Folks, a public service announcement from Stephen DeFranco, a barbecue brother, self-admitted barbecue junkie. What's coming up? Let's see. Halloween, yes. Thanksgiving, yes. Christmas, yes. You know, all great occasions for gift giving. Don't be a fool this year like you have been for years and years. Get on board the Stephen DeFranco bandwagon. Let him help you look like a genius this holiday season. Uh, first, visit his website, stephendefranco.com. D-I-F-R-A-N-C-O, stephendefranco.com. Pick out a new watch. Pick out earrings, bracelets, anklets, so forth. You know, do it. Then, once you've picked out what you like, you give him a call. Now, I'm going to stress this, this read, because I don't know if a lot of people actually bother doing this. Maybe send him an email. Call him. 440-943-2700-440-943-2700. Somebody answers the phone. If it's not saying, uh, hi, this is Steve DeFranco, can I help you? Ask for Steve. Well, who's this? This is Greg or Tim or Janet. I'm a centralite. Tell them I'm a centralite. I'm a barbecue brother. I want to talk to you. Ah, now the bells are going off. Steve's going to get on the phone, going to ask you some questions, talk about budget, talk about what you're looking for in a particular timepiece or piece of jewelry, what kind of an emotion you're looking to convey with this purchase. He's not going to be trying to upsell you on stuff that maybe you don't need or you know make a big commission check or anything like that because that's not how he operates. I mean, certainly he wants to earn your business, but he wants it not only this time, but... Maybe in a year from now or three months from now or maybe you're about to get married after you get to talk. Realize that Stephen DeFranco is a uh, wedding band and wedding ring superstore as well. I buy all my stuff from Stephen. He's trustworthy, making great recommendations. I never feel like somebody's trying to get over me over there. And if you're not local to Cleveland, you call him on the phone and realize what a great person he is and you're going to feel comfortable doing business whether you're in Nantucket, whether you're in Tallahassee, or whether you're in Spokane. You're going to feel comfortable. Free shipping, by the way. Did I mention that? 440-943-2700. It's 440-943-2700. Or visit him online at stephendefranco.com. We're back with Mike Richter, Chicks, Swine, and Bovine right after this. Stick around. Be right back. Live. 
Live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. Welcome back. 216-220-0966. Greg at TheBBQCentralShow.com. This portion of the Barbecue Central Show is being brought to you by CookinPellets.com. Cooking Pellets, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah! Uh, CookinPellets.com, your number one source for quality wood pellets for all your pellet-driven cookers. Not voiding any warranties. Don't fall for it. Visit CookinPellets.com for more information or to purchase you can also visit a little website called Amazon.com. I heard it's an upstart. Might catch on someplace. All right, uh, joining me now, the pitmaster of chicks, swine, and bovine, and uh, I can call him the king of smoked meat of the Buckeye State. We race over to the hotline, and welcome first time to the show, Mike Richter of chicks, swine, and bovine. Mike, how are you, buddy? Doing well. How are you, Greg? Doing absolutely fabulous. Mike, Mike you're a Buckeye uh, born and bred, right? Yes, yes, from uh, Chillicothe. Nelsonville's only about an hour away from where I was raised. Chillicothe, you said? Yes. All right, so now for the folks that have no idea where that is, let's just call it kind of around the Columbus area, but a little farther. Was it south and east? Yeah, it's 45 miles due south of uh, Columbus. All right. Uh, and now you're based, like, in Maryland? Yes. we. Uh, I retired. I, I worked in D.C., the my last 20 years of, of work somewhere around in there and we'll hopefully be leaving the state of maryland the first of the year are you coming back home i'm going to go south where it's warm damn right you are can i come too let me come mike let me come um all right uh, we're talking with mike richter of chick swine and bovine uh let me do the uh the right thing here uh, mike because the fans of the show number in the tens of thousands as well as the downloads uh, after the fact from the live show. And for the folks that, you know, I think we have a pretty good mix. Obviously, a lot of people know you here, especially in the chat room or the, the diehards and the guys that follow the competition scene. But for the folks that maybe are on a little bit more of the peripheral side of things or might be just getting into this competition thing, uh, maybe a little background about yourself and, and how you got into the competition scene. Well, uh, let's see, several years way back, uh, 2001, somewhere around there, a friend of mine took D.C. when it was just Memphis and Makes competition, and uh, cooks, always has cooked great ribs, and uh, we, we went down to kind of help him, and uh, the judges ate every rib they were given, but then said they didn't care for his style of cooking, and uh, <laughs> he didn't, he, yeah, he, he didn't score very well, but the food was awesome, you know. And we thought, well, we can do better than this. And then we started researching, and we uh, cooked a contest in Bel Air, Maryland, which was our first KCBS contest in 2002. And, uh, but we were like a lot of the teams. We went, and myself and three of my buddies uh, tend to over-participate at the time with some tasty beverages. And... Uh, <laughs> 
so and we there was no consistency in what we were doing. We'd do a few contests a year, but we weren't focused, I guess is what you would say. And uh, Well, Mike, let me interrupt you just for a second. I mean, you know, that's twelve years ago now. I mean, competition barbecue twelve years ago, uh, probably not the same scene as it is fast forwarding uh, twelve years ahead to where we are present day, right? Oh no, not even close. Not not, not even close. There were, um, I mean, there's always been some of those, you know, the lot of bulls, the tricks, you know, they 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 were they, they were around back then. Uh, I remember. Uh, Tuffy cooking on a Lang uh, before he got the grill vet. Uh, it's it, it's changed a lot. Back when he was cooking with a pop up and all the stuff, uh, we all were back then pretty much. And it's it just has all changed. I mean, but I, I credit the internet for part of that and uh, the availability of classes. The learning curve has just drastically reduced um, from the Pickle Pig website to the, to the Barbecue Brethren to now it's just all over the internet where people are answering freely answering questions and helping each other out. I mean, I remember we we didn't know what a parsley box was in the beginning. And nobody would really care to tell you that. There was, there was A lot of it was kept very secret, you know, and then Everybody kind of opened up and started sharing a lot more information, at least in how, you know, heck, with Facebook, half the teams are posting their pictures. You can see some gorgeous boxes and get great ideas on how to maybe change yours. I was going to say, you know, back, you know, in the day, there seems to have been, or at least as I'm gleaning from your conversation here right now, I'm like, there was a little bit more gamesmanship back then. People weren't as, as open, and maybe perhaps they shouldn't have been with recipes or parsley boxes as you said or how they're trimming this piece of chicken or what kind of cut of beef well they probably didn't they were probably all using the same kind of cut of brisket uh, versus what they're doing now but uh, it was a lot more tighter to the vest and and maybe in a in a certain competition way maybe that was a good thing uh and part of it probably uh it's but the playing feels so much more level now than it was there because if you had a few teams that had everything dialed in, I mean, there weren't a lot of classes back then. I mean, that's, that's helped a lot. I mean, our first class, I mean, Tuffy talked me into taking Mike Davis's class. Uh, was the first class that my wife and I took. Uh, and my wife pushed us more so than Tuffy did just for continuing education. You know, I, did that in my professional career, but I never really did it in my hobby. And, you know, we went and we learned so much in, you know, that two day class that it was a big eye opener, you know, and we got our first GC a couple months later. So that was it. And then since then, we try to go uh, to a class every year. When you go to these classes now, I mean, obviously there seem to have been, uh, what I term the proliferation of barbecue classes. There was uh, the old school versus high tech, and that was Rod Gray, obviously, and Johnny Trigg doing that for a number of years, uh, which I think Johnny's kind of cordoned off the the teaching aspect of it, uh, where Rod has continued on to a certain degree. 
Uh, but I think they're largely credited with teaching a, a lot of people um, techniques and, and flavor profiles that still might be pretty popular today. Obviously, Dr. Barbecue Ray Lampy was one of the first to really give classes as well. But, you know, in that Rod Gray uh, area with, with Johnny Trigg, do you think that that ended up helping creativity or stymied creativity perhaps would be a, a better way where people now see uh, this is what Rod or this is what Johnny's doing and I'm not going to bother to stretch my creative juices at all. I'm just going to kind of replicate what they showed me this past weekend and, and hope it wins at this competition I'm going to enter now. I I do not think it has stifled it, and, I, and I'll tell you why. Because, you know, like everyone else, we, you know, I mean, we've attend classes, but we also give classes. And I know for a fact from classes, those that exact class you were just talking about, um, and our own classes, talking to students, you know, they, if you give 10 people a cake recipe, you're going to get 10 different cakes. And even if they're all cooking the same recipe, the same rubs, it's going to come out different. But I know people that have taken, you know, art class as well as, you know, other classes that said, well, you know, I, I don't know that I like how they do this, so I'm going to tweak this. Uh, and I think that happens more often than not. Uh, I've had people that uh, we've, you know, we've had a couple good years in a particular categories and I've had some classes one-on-one -on -one actually at a contest and where we actually would win and you know or finish reserve but have a very good you know contest and but twice now friends have been next to us and asked the student what they think about something well I think I like my recipe better and the <laughs> particular meat they were talking about we had just won um in like a 60-team contest. <laughs> so, no, I think I like my recipe better. So, I mean, they might, they might, another one said, well, I, th I like part of what they did. I think I want to tweak and do it this way. And I think that's why I don't think the creativity is getting stifled. There's still people like certain flavors their own way, uh, their own techniques. And, I mean, that's, one of the reasons we go to classes is to see how other folks are doing and, and try to adapt some of that to what we do. Mike Richter joining me here on the show, pitmaster of Chicks, Swine, and Bovine. Uh, Mike, let's uh, talk about this past weekend. I mean, why not? Uh, you were down in the succulent southern Ohio. Uh, it's uh, Nelson. Is it Nelsonville, Ohio? Is that where your guys were at? Nelsonville, yeah. Yeah, so um, I went to school uh, at Ohio University, Proud Bobcat, which is just, just a little bit farther away from Nelsonville. I used to pass her all the time. Uh, and this is houses the uh, Ohio Smoked Meat Barbecue Festival. And uh, you take the win there amongst some uh, pretty stiff competition. Uh, overall, there were uh, 36 teams. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, maybe five or six years ago, this is an event that was on the verge of extinction, right? I believe so. I, I, I think they did have some hard times. Uh, and it's, this is not the right word, but I would say it's a quaint contest because it's downtown. Uh, it's just a very friendly venue. Uh, we, this is the second time we cooked it. We cooked it back in 11 and we were lucky enough to win that year too. But, um, it's, it's right by the Rocky, um, brand. It's an outdoor store. 
And you said you went to you went to OU Athens. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So yeah, it's not too far from from there. What twenty miles maybe? But it uh, they give you a great coupon for the the stores, twenty five percent off. It coincides. They have a big sale going on that time. Uh, the local community, the fraternal organizations, open up their doors and uh, their wallets to help everybody out. You know, there's there's food, there's you know whatever you need. They're they're there to help you out. All right. So when you look over the weekend in a general sense, uh, business as usual for you guys. Uh, what were there any weather issues or or anything else that reared its head down in Nelsonville that you had to contend with that you didn't account for? Well, the southern part of the state, since we got to Ohio after the Royal, because we've been here with my mom, um, the uh, it's rained and rained and rained, and sometimes really heavy. It was raining on the way down there. As we pulled in, it stopped, and uh, on the hill beside us, a guy drove by and said, look, there's a, a rainbow and a big old white cross right above the coach. So that was we took that as a good omen. Uh, it rained some more. Uh, and then it kind of stopped. Then it ended up raining again on Friday. Otherwise, Friday was a decent day. Uh, it stopped, and it got, I mean, for Southern Ohio in October, it was 70 degrees, which is very nice. Yep. Uh, Saturday, well, about the middle of the night Friday, the wind picked up and blew 15 to 20 at times, uh, you know, which was hazardous to all the, yeah. pop-ups and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. And, and messes with everybody's fires. You know, I'm a, I cook on a jambo, so I'm a stick burner. And the wind happened to be coming right up the backside of mine, so we had to... We were on... I was on a parking lot, so I really couldn't uh, put my pop-up out, so I was trying to use some chairs to uh, block the wind and at least slow it down. It seemed to work, so... what When is blowing that hard, aside from... You know, when, you, when you're at the wrong end of it and it's blowing into the firebox, uh, is it wicking any heat off the top as well? Uh, so you're running hot but not cooking as hot as well, or you don't have that problem? No, in the jambo, I don't really have the problem. If, if there's a strong wind up the backside, it can it can cause you some issues, but it's got a boiler door so you can close it down quite a bit too, so there's not a, it's not like it's force-feeding it through there. All right, so when we uh, talk about the individual results here for this contest in Nelsonville, uh, first one, were they calling out top 10 uh, like normal? Yes. All right, so you win the chicken category, uh, 176 and a half, uh, almost six tenths. So winning the first category, I'm sure you're feeling pretty good. Uh, did you feel like the chicken was a, was a winner this day? Uh, we were happy with it, and it uh, we, we practiced our – box that we're going to use this weekend so i wanted we wanted to cook it in a contest an actual live time to make sure we could do it next weekend and so we were real happy because it had white and dark meat in it all right so you're talking about what you were putting in the box versus like uh, garnishing the box right all right um Cause, cause for the jack you have to put white and dark that's right uh so were you a like a wing guy or were you using breast white what kind of white were you using we we did wings. Yeah. Do you find that those have a a tendency to to stay better longer than the breast meat does? I I don't know. We'd cooked the breast meat at the jack before, and we liked it. I just wanted to try. We wanted to try something different, 
and uh, we didn't we didn't get a call with the breast meat, so maybe we'll get a call with the wings. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, and it was a pretty close chicken contest, by the way. So I mean, you only uh, took the win by well, you, you would have been tied uh, right around another two hundredths of uh, of a point, maybe two thousandths of a point. Um, but you win chicken nonetheless. Uh, then you get to the pork ribs category. And uh, it's another top 10 call. You get eighth overall on ribs, uh, 170, almost 171 points in total. Uh, how did you feel about the ribs? And, and are there going to be any adjustments as you head down to uh, the, the jack this coming weekend? The, the ribs yes, were Yes, for ribs. That's good. right. Yep. Yeah, the ribs were good. We were, we, we were happy with them. Uh, and I've, they, were, they, were, they were good. So they, I, was, I was happy. And I thought they had a good chance for a call. So happy with that uh, eighth it is, and you get the call like you were hoping for. Uh, next up is pork. Uh, hey, look here, you get pork, and pretty close to a a perfect pork, nonetheless. Did you think uh, that you were uh, right on the money with the pork this day? It, it was some of the best pork we've cooked this year. Yes, yeah. so we, we we really liked it. It uh, um, we as well as we're putting it in the box. We had plenty to put in the box, and we're. We're eating as we're putting it in because it tasted really good. Have you gone into the like the the specialty pork, or are you still just you know able to go to a, a Sam's or a BJ's or something and, and buy pork like yeah. that? Wherever wherever you go, grocery store, BJ's, yeah, just I'm I'm the only specialty um, meat I'm using is is a wagyu for the brisket. Now my chicken's from Springer Mountain Farms, and it's all natural, um, out of Georgia. But uh, other, as far as real specialty, it's just the brisket. All right. Uh, so you take pork, and now we go to brisket. Man, uh, talk about even closer to almost perfect. You win brisket with one hundred seventy nine point four. Uh, is this some of the best brisket that you've cooked this year? The flavor was very good. Um, the, was, and it actually tried something different with the, with the cooking that we had, we had practiced in the campground, uh, the week before it, it tasted really good. I actually thought it could have been a little more tender, but I think it, uh, it relaxed as it was waiting to get judged. Have you been in a competition before Mike, where you win three out of the four categories hands now? No, we, we've we've won two a couple times, but never three. All right, so when you win three, uh, I mean, is there even a second guess that you haven't not won this thing? <laughs> uh, depending, I mean, when we won, as they were calling the brisket, I was, because I wasn't, didn't really think it was necessarily that good to win, I was saying, well, maybe we were 11th. And because the, uh, it, it was, it was a tight contest because the reserve team had uh, four calls. So they, you know, were listening to their, they're getting their calls. I mean, we had, at that time we had um, two firsts and an eighth. So those, you know, the first places, you know, that you don't know how close you are and whether or not it's been a, been a, been a tie you know how it goes. I mean, it could, it could be close, or it could it could be. It ended up being larger difference than what you know I would have expected. But uh, when we got the the brisket call, 
it was, you know, it was it was going that that pretty much we knew at that point that we you know we're going to beat Historic, who had the four they had four calls also. Yeah, and uh, you end up getting a seven oh five point one, so you're uh, right over the hump into that seven hundred club as well. Uh, you end up winning by uh, six plus points uh, overall between grand and reserve. I mean, overall, a, a fairly dominating performance. Would you categorize it as the most consistent or best cook that you've had this season so far? Uh, one of them, I would say, yes. Uh, we, we had another contest earlier where we were very fortunate. We were like 15, 16 points out in front. Uh, so that doesn't happen very often. And, you know, we typically compete up in the mid-Atlantic after um, the beginning of April. We go down south before that. And, you know, where we typically compete, if you go up in the northeast, the mid-Atlantic, you, you have the winners of contests are 630, 640, 650 points, total points. You know, a 160 uh, oftentimes in our area is your top 10. Yeah. So, you know, it's the one step. There was uh, Virginia and D.C., I think there were two 180s this year. And, well, no, three, because there was another one last weekend. Uh, so that, that we, don't, we don't get a lot of those in our area. Tuffy got one. Tommy from Checkered Pit got one. And uh, Dan Hickson was, with, cooked with Dave Pavone last weekend and got one. Mike Richter from Chicks, Swine, and Bovine joining me here on the show. Mike, could I uh, hold you over for a, a quick break, and then we can talk a little bit about the Jack and your uh, BOD situation? Sure. All right. Uh, you just relax there for a couple minutes here, and we'll uh, pick you back up here on the backside. Uh, let me talk to you quickly, folks, about Big Papa Smokers, and then we'll get back with Mike from Chicks, Swine, and Bovine. Uh, if you don't know, Big Papa Smokers is the one-stop shop for anyone interested in barbecue featuring a comprehensive selection of all-american-made grills spices sauces accessories even a kit that gives you everything you need to make world-class smoker out of a 55 gallon drum believe it or not big papa smokers has made a name for itself by making an award-winning line of championship rubs the rubs have won almost every major barbecue competition event including the world series of barbecue in kansas city the jack daniels invitational kingsford challenge the houston livestock and rodeo many more to come Maybe even this year. BPS has also banded together with fellow California-based rub company Simply Marvelous Barbecue to form what has now become known as the West Coast Offense. Defying conventional wisdom, these two California-based rub makers have cornered the market on competitive barbecue and begun to redefine the flavor profile that competitive cooks from across the country have begun to aim for. They've even created two of their unique own competitions, King of the Smoker, which is a best of the best in backyard barbecue, or sorry, not in backyard, but in barbecue head-to-head in a back-to-basics competition. King of the Smoker unique in the fact that contestants are not allowed to use any electric devices such as pellet cookers or pit minders. Contestants are just allowed to use charcoal wood in their wits to win one of the most high-stakes barbecue competitions around. The other one that they do is the guinea pig. This is a cost-controlled competition that helps bring in newcomers to the competitive barbecue world. It also features prize distribution all the way down to 10th place in each category, which helps provide incentive to get new competitors into the world of barbecue. On top of all of that, Big Papa's has created a unique brand ambassador program, the BPS Elite Team, 
featuring 15 of the best competition teams in the country working together to promote camaraderie, competition barbecue, and to benefit children's charities across the U.S. Keep in mind, Big Papa Smokers has been able to do all of this with only four years of being in the business, turning the competition barbecue world on its head, creating their own unique competitions, and becoming a staple of a national food chain. Restaurant chain, by the way. Benefiting children's charities across the U.S. Just the beginning for Big Papa Smokers. Again, the website, BigPapaSmokers.com. That's BigPapaSmokers.com. We're back with Mike Richter of Chicks, Swine, and Bovine right after this. Talk a little jack. Stick around. interviews, advice on cooking brisket and ribs, and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue, it's the Barbecue Central Show. All right, we are back, 216-220-0966, Greg at com. Those are the two bits of contact information if you want to jump in. On the remainder of the show tonight, Mike, appreciate you hanging with me through the break there. Uh, This coming weekend, and you are getting ready to head down, as you had alluded to a little bit earlier, uh, to the Jack Daniels. This is a competition that many pitmasters revere as the competition to A, get to during the course of a competition season, uh, but perhaps more importantly, to win during their competition career. How do you view the Jack, Mike? What's your take on it? It is one of the top contests in the country, uh, in my opinion. The, uh, I mean, as far as goals, I, I would love to win the Invitational because that's all champions from across the country. Uh, and I'd like to win the Open, but I, the Invitational would be up there. The Jack, uh, Memphis and May, and Houston. I mean, those are those are the biggies. Those are the those are the big contests. Uh, and there's a lot of folks argue about the way the draw is held. But there's only so much room down in the holler for for teams, and it's it's packed. Um, so they have to come up with a way to try to do it. They do their best to try to get a team from every state. In uh, addition, you know, you, you can win your way in uh, by winning seven grand championships. The, uh, the winner of the Houston Livestock, the American Royal, uh, the previous Jack winner. I mean, there are automatic contests. There's several states still that only have one contest, so they're automatics. And it, I mean, I would, it's, it would be huge, just like winning the Invitational. If some way we could get our, have a good cook and have everything come out right and come out on top. Now it's, uh, there's some celebrity um, judges. You know, it's not all celebrity judges. Most of it's KCBS. But uh, so that that adds a different little flair to it. But it still comes down you you have to cook good food. You know, no matter whether it's a, a first-time judge or master judge or a celebrity judge, it's got to be something that tastes good and makes them want to, you know, take another bite. Because of those 
celebrity judges or uh, some some judges that maybe don't have the experience on the pallet to competition barbecue that you might normally see during the course of a weekend? Are, are there any, I don't want to say downgrades, but are, are there any changes that you would make to a flavor profile to accommodate uh, that less experienced palate, or do you think it's mixed up enough to where you wouldn't bother with that? I think it's mixed up enough, and I think the majority of the celebrity judges have been celebrity judges at other places. And I, I think they actually, technically, I think there's a class held for them, so they are actually certified. Um, but the I, I, years ago, uh, I made the decision after talking to some very good cooks, and we, we don't change our flavor profile. Um, when we go, and we cook up and down the East Coast, uh, Alabama, Louisiana, uh, Tennessee, Arkansas, Missouri, you know, Jersey, Pennsylvania. I mean, we're, we're Virginia, we're North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia. We're up and down uh, throughout the year. Uh, we don't we don't change our our flavors. I, you know, I go to Carolinas. I'm, I'm not. I'm not going a vinegar sauce type thing because that's not normally what we do. Mike Richter joining me here on the show uh, talking about the Jack Daniels. Uh, if you had to choose, if I could tell you, Mike, you're going to win the Invitational or the Jack or Memphis and May or the Houston Livestock and Rodeo, but if, if you pick one, you can't win the other ones ever, uh, which one would you feel most comfortable picking to take with you and, and why would you pick that one? Well, that's a, that's a tough question. Uh, I guess my, if, if you had to choose between winning the Royal and the Jack, and I, I would limit it to those two. The Memphis and Bay and the Houston Livestock would be, you know, third, fourth. Uh, boy, that's, that's tough. I, would, I guess because of the claim that you could say you're a world champion, I'd have to go with the Jack Daniels because there will be between 15 and 20 teams from outside the United States that have won their way there. Uh, so it really is a world champion work. Uh, so that would, that'd be nice to be able to have behind you, you know, behind your name that you, that you were a world champion. Uh, Mike, I, go ahead. Sorry. That I, I would say probably didn't go to the invitational at the Kansas City. That's a tough question. That, that that's pretty. They're they're very close. Uh, Mike, just transition out here a little bit for the uh, remaining few minutes. Uh, also, uh, you're going to be making a run for the Kansas City Board of Directors, and unlike years past, uh, even the last uh, election last year, there wasn't really a lot of scuttlebutt and ballyhoo around the internet saying that changes need to be made and things are terrible and doom and gloom and it seems over the last year and a half uh, maybe even two years that uh, that's really kind of died off uh, and uh, perhaps or perhaps we're just not hearing about it anymore um, that the, the board is, is in a good place and, and that the ideas and the forward thinking is, is taking place so I guess uh, what's your interest in getting into the, the board and, and, and what do you like with KCBS right now and, and what would you like to take a part of being changed I would like to say that uh, Candy Weaver gets uh, 
a large amount of credit for the direction she's given the board over the last couple of years as president. Uh, there is, depending on where you are, there are some threads and different things, whether it's the Barbecue Brethren or on Facebook on different, you know, groups, pages and stuff. There's, with the implementation of um, ACPS score, the new scoring system, that has allowed teams to see more information, provides us cooks with more information than we've ever had before shows where where we finished on our table, who was on, what table we were on, who was on the table with us, uh, what the scores we received, what was the average score for that judge for the day, uh, a lot of information we didn't have. And what's that, it's also showing what, we've come to this new terminology, they're calling it a table of death. Uh, there's some contests where Almost every entry on particular tables are finishing in the bottom quarter of the results. Or, I mean, in it, it's almost every contest you can find something along that line. But in the same vein, you can find, they call them tables of angels. Yep. Where it seems like everything this table gets is the best they've ever had. Just as some of the other ones I think it's like the worst they've ever had, this other table thinks it's the best they've ever had. And I believe there's, with the system, we can come up with a way to level that field out somewhere or another. The computer can generate and seat judges. I don't know. There's all kinds of ideas that have been tossed around. I think it needs research, but I think we need to, as a society, we need to try to figure out some way to minimize the impact of these tables of angels and tables of death. As a cook, I would like to see more cooks on the board. Uh, We've got a couple now, but um, there's four open seats. I know a good friend of mine, David Qualls, is also running for the board. Uh, Hopefully we both get on there. I think it'd be good to have additional cooks. I think there are some things. They've made a lot of improvements in a lot of areas recently. I would just like to see that improvement continue. Uh, I, there has to be a way that we can, because sometimes, you know, the, the, there's some cooks that still complain about the judges. Uh, some judges, you know, complain about some cooks or the reaction that some of the cooks have. We, and, you know, there's the old caddies, the chicken or the egg, you know, we have to have judges, we have to have cooks in order to have Kansas Barbecue Society. Yeah. We need we need reps, we need organizers, and I think the board needs to be have an equal distribution of those groups. You need judges on the board, you need organizers on the board, you need cooks on the board. Um, so that each group is represented and each group's voice is heard. And that we do our best to make sure the decisions that are made are what's best for the group. Now, is every decision going to be the best one? I mean, I'm retired now, but after uh, almost uh, 30 years in the Justice Department, I know not every decision is correct. But 
that doesn't mean you can't make a correction and go back and change what you've done. And so I think sometimes they, they, we get stuck, okay, well, this is what we decided we're going to stay that way. And I, I don't think that you have to. You, you know, people say, well, they were not going to admit that it's a mistake. Well, maybe it wasn't a mistake. Maybe we just found a better way or we've determined that the old way was better. You know, it's, and I, I think that having the different groups represented and bringing the voice of the folks, I think I'd be able to bring, I was competing in a lot of different states. My friends that are in those states, if they have issues, I, I'm confident they would have no problem calling me or sending me a message and saying, hey, why, don't, why doesn't the board look at this? Um, and I, I'm sure we can do that. You know, maybe not necessarily up for the board to take some other folks to where we can get back and answer their questions. But one of the biggest things, is, which is also a, an issue with the country, members have to vote. Yeah. The, the amount of people that vote is ridiculous. You know, there, there was a couple thousand people voted, I think, last, last year, maybe 2,900 or something out of uh, 27,000, 30,000 members or whatever it is. Um, it's that, that's ridiculous. We 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 should be having sixty, seventy, eighty percent of people to, to vote. I, you know, I was raised that it was a responsibility to get out there and vote in the elections, and I've always taken that same way to any organization I've been a part of. But if you're going to complain, you make sure you vote first. Yeah, but it's no fun if you got to also do something. It's just more fun to complain and not have to worry about it, right, Mike? Come on. Who's here to take accountability? Forget about that. <laughs> some, some folks look at it that way. And, it, uh, and you, know, you don't know who votes. You just know the percentage. But hopefully we'll have a, a good turnout. Uh, the majority of the memberships judges because you have to be a judge. You have to be a species member to be a certified judge. And most of our contests are 100% certified where you don't have to be member to cook. You know, so if you've got a contest with 36 teams, you've got at least 36 judges that are KCPS members, but you may only have 15 or 20 of the teams that are KCPS members. Yep, that's right. Mike Richter is the pit master of chicks, swine, and bova. He is going to be heading down to Lynchburg, Tennessee this coming weekend to take part in the Jack Daniels World Barbecue Cook-Off, uh, also making a run for the Kansas City Barbecue Society's Board of Directors. Mike, really appreciate the time tonight, man. Good luck this weekend. And if you win, hey, let's turn you right back around and recap the big win at the Jack next weekend. That would be awesome. I would love it. Thank you very much, Greg. All right, Mike, take care. There he is. Mike Richter, Chicks, Swine, and Bovine. Uh, no website that I could find on the internet, but he does have a Facebook page. So if you have social media, Facebook specifically, you can find Mike uh, right there on the Facebooks. All right, let's go ahead and wrap it up all the way back in the first hour. We were talking with Bill and Rachel Best, Tech Grills, techinfrared.com. Techinfrared.com. Then in the second hour, we talked with Mike Richter of Chick Swine and Bovine, his win at the Ohio Smoke Meat Festival, his impending agenda with the 
Jack Daniels World Championship Barbecue Cook-Off. Again, that will take place this weekend. So, you know, next week I'm going to be looking for some kind of winner out there. Let me put out the feelers right now if you're going down tonight or if you're going down this weekend to the Jack Daniels and you know the winner, let them know. Holla at your boy. I'm looking for you. I'll even be looking for a reserve grand. That's right. Want to do it. Hey, Kinger, look at this. It's cold out here, man. Cold. But I wear it. Yeah, check out the YouTube later barbecue food for you. I recorded in higher definition. Let me know if the video looks better, too. Just trying to be like you, man. Hey, uh, if you cook with raw cast iron, it re-season it each and every time. Little Pam, little Crisco. Well, do the burn-off thing. Heat it up. Hit it with the grill brush. Then a little Pam, little Crisco. Let's burn back on. Generations of rust-free service. September 11th, 2001. I will never forget. Until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, this is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good night now.